0: GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast. We're a little short on people tonight. Hammy could not make it, but uh, Vigs will just have to go on without him.
1: Yeah, we just uh, go next man up.
0: Yeah, well, there's no next man up. It's just us two. Tried to get some guests. Didn't quite work out. Wanted to have Rick Pizzo on this week, but he was just too busy with TV. And, you know, Mazako was busy. So, you know, I'm like, you know what? We'll have a short show. That's fine. No big deal.
1: That's why I go and gather the audio.
0: <laughs> that is true. And if you, if you people are listening, make sure you always listen to the end, at least the recording, because Vigo always goes to the media every week, records Lucia, two or three players. This week he's got three players, I believe, don't you? Yep. And uh, I always add that audio to the end of the podcast. So if you're listening live, you'll have to come back and listen to it later. But uh, I always add that to the end. You get to hear what Lucia's is thinking this week and uh, and uh, get some uh, – opinions from the players which is eh, it's not so bad is it
1: no it's not too bad i, th- I think it was a, a big week for them to get some confidence by yep. playing ohio state i think they're they're getting some trust in each other on the ice which is crucial for this team to to have success and and we saw some of that in the games
0: well there are a couple tight games let me tell you that i mean th- that first game friday night started out not that great down two to nothing coming into the third uh, I would love to have heard what what happened in the locker room, but they uh, seem to have gotten jump-started, got those two goals, tied it up, Fashing wins it in overtime. Hoopla on the ice, all is good, Viggs.
1: Yeah, it's always good to get the <laughs> overtime winner. I, I think Lucia has been trying to figure out what, what buttons to push with this team. He's got 10 new guys getting in the lineup, and throughout the season, he's been trying to put two veteran guys with a freshman on, on each line, And, you know, that hasn't gotten every line going. The Bristat line, what they call the gold line, has been the only one that's been able to consistently, you know, be offensive, get lots of chances and and not spend much time in their own zone. And so he's been trying to find ways to get other guys going. And, you know, in those first two periods, it just wasn't working at all.
0: Well, there was just like you said, you know, he started with completely different lines of those first two periods Friday night.
1: Yep, all week he had been shuffling up the lines in practice, trying to find something that would work, and I think he's really sticking to playing four lines and, and trying to put a young guy with two older guys to try to keep something going there, and it just wasn't working. You saw big gaps between the defensemen's and the forwards on breakouts. In the offensive zone, you didn't see a lot of sustained pressure. You saw turnovers, and it was just kind of an ugly start for them.
0: Well, definitely an ugly start but obviously they got it together she he got on the board novak tied it up you know both power play goals which is always good to see and then you know after a spectacular save by Sheerhorn early in that overtime fashion comes down you know with you know and wins it with a nice pass from novak from behind the net so it, it turned out well but uh it was a little hairy at the beginning there i'll tell you that
1: yeah, I think getting power play opportunities is really key for this team, and they've been converting them. Uh, Connor Riley talked about it today, how after the St. Cloud series, they saw just how quickly a team has to move the puck to be successful because they certainly saw the Huskies do that to them. And I think since that game, their their power plays picked up uh, to another level. I, I don't know what their percentage is the last couple of weeks, but it's almost a goal a game, if not more. And uh, it's because they're moving the puck so quickly. I think the first couple of weeks you just have guys who were standing in their assigned spot and receiving the pass and not quite sure what to do with it. And that made it really easy for penalty kills. But lately they're, they're moving it. They're getting one-timers. They're getting tips. They're getting second opportunities. Um, I think the penalty kills are kind of losing their shape because of how well they're moving the puck. Mm-hmm. And those, those are definite keys. And then with the fashion goal in overtime, uh, just a heady play by Novak to take it wide. I think a lot of players probably would have saw that opportunity and just put the puck on net. But uh, he saw that there was room to, to get behind the net and draw some players to him. And then he found fashing for a great goal.
0: Well, it turned out well after, you know, it's not starting so well Friday night. Um, for those of you listening live, send us some questions. Send us some topics you want us to talk about. Just use the hashtag on Twitter, GPL Podcasts, and we'll, we'll try to talk about it. You know, I've seen a couple out there so far already, but send it to us. It's just us two tonight, so we need the content. Um, moving on to Friday, pretty good game. You know, Get to the third, you're up by two goals. Oh, boy. Ohio State gets within one, and boy, does it never fail Oh, five minute major. What well, was it checking from behind? I think it was. Or was it boarding?
1: Uh, I think it was a boarding call. Yeah. A
0: lot of people question it. You know, oh, it shouldn't have been a bit of five, blah, blah, blah. You know what? They're going to call it. If there's anything close to it, they're going to call it. and The players need to know this. Yeah, but it's just
1: a player safety issue. When exactly. You get- like that especially when you know when it's that four or five feet away from the wall you just have to pull up when you see the numbers and you know Collins is a big guy and, and maybe the guy was a little off balance but you just you can't put your opponent in that position you got to respect him.
0: and you can't put yourself in that position late in the game
1: exactly I, I think it's a guy just you know maybe you know late in a shift you know trying to trying to get off the ice and he's a big guy and uh unfortunately it cost him and and they almost killed off the penalty. Well, so they, I, they just, did.
0: It, it, <laughs> they they had done a wonderful job for the entire five minutes, you know. And then uh, Greco obviously, you know, gets kind of almost a wide open net because of some good puck movement. But you know, they had pulled their goalie, so they did. It was it was the two man advantage essentially. A lot of bodies out on the ice. Uh, but boy, they just couldn't quite get through it.
1: Yeah, something that the Gopher penalty kills had to do since that St. Cloud series. Is, is kind of almost go to a diamond or a, a triangle and one penalty kill mm-hmm. just to make sure they're protecting the front of the net and, and trying to keep their opponents from making those seam passes you know horizontally across the rink. You know they had done a really good job of preventing that and keeping you know opposing power plays to the outside. Uh, I think they did a better job blocking shots lately, especially uh, Saturday against Ohio State. And then they had a player chase the puck outside the dots, and they kind of lose their Mm -hmm. shape, and that creates that backdoor play. And, Ohio State capitalized on it. It was just one small mistake in five minutes, and it cost them.
0: You know, I had noticed earlier on that power play and other power plays on Saturday night while watching on TV is that, you know, that weak side was open, and that Ohio State kind of missed it a few times. I, yeah, I, know, I, think, I mean, I noticed a few times that you know Shearhorn wasn't getting over and if it wasn't for a little bouncy pass or a missed shot, it, you know it, it looked like it was open, so we definitely need to pick up our coverage there,
1: yeah, I think the one thing though that was happening is they're keeping that pass a little bit farther out from the net mm-hmm. than they had in the previous games you know by putting those that that triangle in the slot, you know they are forcing them to go a little bit wider with those plays and it's a little bit longer pass, it's a little bit tougher. And against a team like Ohio State, you can get away with that. Um, maybe this weekend against Michigan, you know they're going to have to be better with their sticks and seams because that's a that's a team that's got a lot more talent.
0: But all in all, six points on the weekend, just what the team needed to try to you know just at least get this season going. Um, they're tied with a uh, Penn State who also had who they swept or was at Michigan State this past weekend. Um, Michigan almost swept the. Wisconsin. That second game ended up in a tie, and they won in a shootout. So they're just one point back, and then the rest of everyone else is, you know, just bringing up the rear. There's nothing there. Yeah, see. pretty
1: amazing to see Wisconsin put up ten goals on this <laughs> weekend.
0: You know, Wisconsin's not as bad as people say they are. I tell you,
1: no, they've got some talent. They, they can score. They can score goals.
0: It, this is not the Wisconsin team of last year. Obviously, not a powerhouse team, but uh, I, I mean. They beat North Dakota this year, when nobody saw that coming. They thought that weekend was going to be a blowout, and I think they're the only one who put really put a dent into North Dakota so far this year.
1: Yeah, they've they've, they've surprised. They're the only Big Ten teams, I think, to to get non conference win and tie.
0: <laughs> That's ugly, man. That is just ugly. against
1: the the Nacho Conference. <laughs>
0: Sean Becker on Twitter, he didn't use the hashtag, but he did notice his question. He's like, To me, this team is missing good puck, or this team is missing a good puck moving defenseman and kind of getting trapped in the D zone. We've been kind of talking about this all year that they kind of need somebody to uh, move the puck out of the zone.
1: Yeah, you know, they've they've got some guys who have more size right now, but they don't have a Shea, they don't have a Mikey Riley. And so I think a lot more responsibility has been placed on the forwards to come back to the puck, get some speed behind the puck, because there aren't defensemen who can just lug it and wheel it up the ice.
0: Well, I know you've said in the past that uh, it's it's not just the the defensemen, that these forwards need to also be in position to take a pass, and uh, that hasn't been happening as much.
1: No, because if you have a defenseman who who really can't beat more than a guy to to create space, he needs help. You know, and this is a, a little bit different team than years past, in, in the way the roster is constructed. So there's a there's a lot more responsibility on the forwards to help on the breakout. Um, you, you'll see a couple times every game where the defensemen are you know passing the puck back and forth to each other at at the dots or below the circle, and they don't have any guys getting open, and you know. They could force the bad pass, or they could just get it in the neutral zone and, and get it back behind the opponent's D. But it's it's a little bit different go for hockey than people are used to seeing. Yeah,
0: we need these forwards to come back and support them. We can't just go for the long pass. I'm sorry, but there's uh, – well, I'm going to date myself here, but uh, I remember Dan Trouble being able to make that long pass out, opening up the game completely. Sorry, we just don't have that kind of skill back here anymore.
1: And and opponents don't allow that oh, yeah. much anymore. With the um, track, exactly. Yeah, I think you see a lot of one three one in college hockey these days, and, and those lanes just aren't there. If, if you try to make long passes against Michigan this weekend, you're going to get into trouble because they can activate, get in transition, bring a defenseman with, and if you got forwards going the wrong way, it's, uh, it's going to be a long night for you.
0: Definitely. Uh, Paul's got a question. He wants to know, is the start this team has had, reasonable given the youth or should Lucia be feeling some heat because of it
1: well I think it's tough to to put a lot of heat on them because they're playing a good schedule you know it's not like they're yeah. playing cupcake teams like you know the gopher basketball team is scheduling
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah you know, but
0: they're also losing to the cupcake so I mean what team's coming in here next uh, South Dakota Tech yeah I mean well, really
1: it's not exactly like bringing in uh, St. Cloud State in hockey or UMD or Minnesota State. You know, these teams are, are among the top 20 in college hockey and they're, they're tough beats, and especially in college hockey with, with goaltending and the coaching and the defensive structure that teams play and guys who come into college as 20, 21 year old freshmen. You know, it's tough to beat these teams. You know, it's not an easy pushover game. Uh, I think you know there could be some heat on Lucia if this if this team falters in the Big Ten and, and doesn't compete for a spot uh, in the NCAA tournament because they definitely do have good talent. I think they've got a great goaltender in Shearhorn that they can rely on. Um, I know coming in the season, Lucia wasn't sure what he had there, but he still felt confident in the rest of the team. Well, now he's got a great goaltender, so this team's poised to to do some things in the Big Ten.
0: Definitely got a good goaltender. That kid's pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, when he sees the puck, he is, exactly. he's sharp. He, he struggled a little bit early, I think, with just his rebound control. And every now and then it'll come, come around when he gets too active. But when he's set and sees the puck, he's, he's really a
0: solid goalie. And that's kind of what they need. <laughs> they need that backstop to save him once in a while because obviously the inexperience right in front of him.
1: Well, I think that's what they're doing on their penalty kills. They're, mm-hmm. they're putting a little bit more on their goalie's shoulders to make m- make more saves. And uh, when you have a goalie, you can do that.
0: Well, before we continue with this abbreviated podcast, let's hear from our sponsor, Vintage Minnesota Hockey. Vintage Minnesota Hockey wants you to take a step back in time and keep the memories of Minnesota hockey heritage alive forever. VintageMNHockey.com features history from around the entire state of Minnesota. One feature that I enjoy on a daily basis is the This Day in Minnesota Hockey History that is on their website. They have tons of info on what's happening on any particular day in Minnesota hockey history. One thing as a listener that you may be interested in is the store at Vintage Minnesota Hockey. They offer all kinds of custom throwbacks from Minnesota hockey and local college teams. And as a GPL podcast listener... You just need to enter the promo code GPLPODCAST, one word, all case, to get a 10% discount on any order. So visit Vintage Minnesota Hockey at VintageMNHockey.com. Speaking of jerseys, Viggs, boy, the team introduced some new golds this past Saturday, and I know that Vintage is looking into getting those made, so keep an eye out in the next few months. They're going to try to get those nice new gold jerseys made, but what did you think of the new... Uh, the new gold jerseys.
1: I think that state patch on the, the front yeah. of the chest was by far the sharpest feature of that jersey. Yeah. But it's it's nice. It's classic. It's got the big M on it. And, you know, sometimes when you get into these alternate jerseys, they get a little carried away. But I think mm-hmm. they did well with this one.
0: They've gone through a lot of jerseys the last few years. And, you know, if 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 only the team would sell these jerseys, they could make a mint. But... Uh you know, it's one fraction that I know you've had in the past few years. I know I have, too. I mean, we've had to go to places like Vintage to get anything even close to this stuff.
1: Well, and that's why Vintage uh, stepped up into the niche of the market and delivers a good product.
0: They they definitely do. I mean, I, I a few years ago, some of us were able to get some official jerseys um, that they, they did one order of, like, 30 or 35 jerseys a few years ago. And uh, some of us got our hands on a couple of those, and then... They put they gave the rest to uh, Goldie's locker room, and uh, they sold. Surprisingly, shocking, they sold. You know, I mean, it, it cost them 150. Um, they uh, sold them for 250, which I think is fair enough. You know, considering you know that they were official jerseys, and uh, they sold great. And uh, you know, we see other schools. You know, famously North Dakota, they do fine job on on their you know jerseys and replica jerseys but minnesota has just always just done a terrible job
1: that's why places like
0: vintage hockey come around you know yeah yeah definitely but you know it's obviously a little small shop and uh and the frustration i've always had obviously is you know sometimes you know the jerseys that they sell at goldie's locker room or wherever you know they don't even have the right kind of m on the cover the colors aren't right it's uh it's, yeah, that's always the
1: surprising thing is yeah. What they how do, do you offer, mess up a logo? Yeah, what they do offer never is quite right. <laughs> so always confusing there.
0: <sighs> yeah, well, we just have to live with it. Unfortunately, you know, we, we know they could make a killing, but obviously, it's good for our sponsor because you know he gets he makes those jerseys and and uh, they're fine quality and they look great and they look like the jersey, which is more than you can ask for. So. All right, Vegs. in the past when uh, Minnesota would play Michigan, personally, it was my second favorite team the Gophers played, second to North Dakota. You know, I always loved the college hockey showcase. Uh, you know, every year you got to see Michigan. It was at high tempo. It was it, it was entertaining hockey. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, with the new Big Ten League, it starts to become a, a, a great rival like it was, you know, pre-WCHA even. I mean, well, actually, yeah, going back eons, Michigan was the team, was the rival, and I hope it comes back. But this weekend, we rekindle the rivalry, and we get to play a team that's uh, probably better than Minnesota right now.
1: Yeah, I think right now Michigan's gelled a lot faster. I mean, on the flip side, you look at their schedule, and they haven't exactly played the kind of schedule that Minnesota has by, you know, playing yeah. the Robert Morris, Niagara's, Dartmouth's, mercy hearse you know they haven't gone exactly with the killer schedule but they do have a lot of talent and they do play an exciting brand of hockey um you know you look at their roster and they've they've got a bunch of draft picks i think they've got about 10 or 11 and um they're they're fun to watch They, they put up a lot of goals i think they're one of the highest scoring teams in the country they they generate a lot of shots they have a good power play um they're definitely the the peer to minnesota in this conference
0: and that's why I've always enjoyed those games. I mean, second to North Dakota, they were always high-tempo, fast, high-scoring games. Um, you know, going back to the early days of the College Hockey Showcase, you know, they would play, you know, the Bonin and Crowley days, they were playing at the Civic Center, you know, for the College Hockey Showcase. The yeah, all, was- all four teams would play there, and oh boy, it was great hockey. And then they went on-campus, it was still very entertaining, but... Uh, and obviously, this rivalry goes back a long time. And I would say, you know, second to North Dakota, this is the most you know contested rivalry for Minnesota. I mean, I look at the all-time numbers, and Minnesota is only up by 14 games. It's 134, 120, and 14. So this is a long, historic you know rivalry, and and I just hope it comes back to where it was before.
1: Yeah, to be a rivalry, you definitely have a opponent that's competitive with you i think you know both sides winning their fair share of games is important Um, i think having good fan bases is important i think that's one of the the biggest things in the old wcha is you know the fans could get into it with each other and i think with michigan you're seeing a you know a little bit smaller fan base but just as passionate um connor riley was talking today how he likes going in there because it feels like they're right on top of you yep because because of the way the building's constructed and the seats are elevated, and he says, "You know, when the the children of Yost bring out their posters, you know, trying to get in the the side of for players, you know, they notice it and think <laughs> it's pretty funny, and they get a kick out of it. So, you know, it's it's one of those rinks where the where the fans care. It's not like Cole Center where people are just there for the party. You know, these people are there to support their hockey team.
0: Well, one thing I think would help with this rivalry is having." You know, some kind of game that somebody gets knocked out or costs them the season. I mean, we haven't had that in a while with Michigan, and maybe that's why there hasn't been as much excitement with the rivalry. I mean, obviously, back in 2002 and 2003, we knocked them out of the uh, of the of the Frozen Four. Um, before that, Michigan knocks us out when we had some great teams. The Mike Leg goal, so it, it was much it was much more intense back then. I think this rivalry might need something like that to get it back to where it was.
1: Yeah, although it has been Minnesota who's ended Michigan's season basically the last two years. Yeah, but uh, last it's year not they, quite
0: the same though. I mean, well, they had a little bit subpar teams, and you know, I, it, it was the it was the Big Ten playoffs. It really it wasn't you know in the, in the NCAA's or anything like that.
1: Well, Michigan was the first team out the last two years, basically. Yeah. Um, by losing to Minnesota in the Big Ten championship last year, that that put them to, to seventeen on, on the bubble and kicked them out. And you know, the year before when Minnesota clinched the Big Ten at Yost, you know that knocked them out of the the pairwise, and they didn't recover. So you know, Minnesota's probably knocked them out. I think it was a reverse. I think Minnesota fans would be you know a little more upset about Michigan, but lately we've had their number,
0: and maybe that's what needs to happen. And maybe that's why I thought it was such a, a rivalry because. You know, back in the '90s, when I really started getting into this this rivalry, um, obviously, you know, you know, we would beat them at the college hockey showcase, and but then, obviously, Mike Leg um, ends the Gopher season with that wonderful lacrosse goal that no one will ever forget. So maybe it's going to take Michigan ending a Minnesota season to kind of start building that rivalry up, because that's how rivalries are built. I mean, you got to lose these teams to build it. So, I mean, maybe that's what's going to have to happen eventually here because Minnesota needs a a big rival in order for this conference to work at all. Yeah,
1: and I think the fans need to accept that this is the big rival right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael Downing took some runs at Gopher players last, uh, last season, the season mm-hmm. before, and, you know, I don't even see people on the message boards bringing that up. Nope. You know, if this was a North Dakota player you know, <laughs> taking a run at somebody – uh, a Ben blood thing or something in the handshake line, you know, people would be bringing that up before the series. And so I just think it's, you know, Minnesota fans are, are kind of wallowing and leaving their old rivals behind. And, you know, here's a great one coming up this weekend to, to plan for watching on TV and, and, you know, the people who do make the fan trip out there to, to Yoast will be in for
0: a treat. You know, I need to make that trip someday. It's a great building. It's a little bit smaller
1: and, you know, it's a different atmosphere. I think it's more of a collegiate atmosphere. There's, there's more band, there's more fan. You know, it's more focused on the game itself than all the the lights and NHL stuff that seems to be creeping into to the other teams out here, like in St. Cloud and North Dakota.
0: You mean more like Minnesota used to be?
1: Yeah, more like the way Minnesota used to be. You know, a good old college hockey game.
0: And, uh, you know, you know, we've I've talked with the the main kind of uh, PR guy at the Gopher Games, you know, he's obviously he's got to get advertisements in and he's got to get this music in and a lot of people don't like it, but unfortunately the the crowd became so lame that the band wasn't enough to get the crowd going anymore, so they had to start playing that music and all that and start doing more hoopla of the pregame because the crowd just kind of didn't really get into it. So I, I, I kind of missed that atmosphere or that college atmosphere because you know what? You don't hear the band as much anymore and you don't just have that college feel at Mariucci like they used to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now you definitely have to have a mix because unless you have a passionate fan mm-hmm. base, you gotta, you gotta kind of figure out a way to get people interested. And the students do love the let's get weird. And you know, <laughs> it's always kind of funny for everybody else outside of the 2000 students that are there to watch it and take it in. But Um, You know, the Rouser and the Battle Hymn are are part of uh, history here. You know, it's something that's still part of the game. And and the fans who've been with it for a long time expect.
0: You know, I wish they would actually bring back the original, you know, uh, salute at the end. You know, that one minute remaining, start playing uh, the Battle Hymn. Because that's how it was in the old days. You'd start playing before the game was over and it just built up the crowd and built everything up, built it up to that last... You know the, the 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 last the horn going off, and uh, obviously we haven't seen that in uh, what twenty years.
1: It's oh, been a while, but I even I remember that. Ugh,
0: I, I it was it was just really it was almost like a big wave or a crescendo. is building, you know, and when the and the, and the, if there was a stoppage, it it it, it kind of dragged it on even more and built it up even more. So, uh, ah, the old days. We're just getting old, Vegs.
1: Yep. <laughs> i
0: I know it I, I, it's, know, just, it's, it's just it's just the truth we're old we have kids we're getting cranky i don't know what it is let's get weird what did you think of let's get weird i was a little disappointed
1: oh it's just because it was so much hype built up coming yeah. into it. that's why you're disappointed but a lot of the same I clips
0: think- and uh i don't know
1: I I think it's you know something that Devin's done a good job with, and uh, the fans look forward to it. And it's definitely weird. So, I got my
0: mask. That's all I care oh, about.
1: <laughs> that's that's key. That's key for you. I I didn't get
0: one, so well um, I'll you be were, okay
1: though.
0: Were you, yeah, you were there, but yeah, yeah, I kind of asked Devin if he could get us one.
1: And... Yeah, yeah. Traffic on on uh, Friday was a little bit ridiculous. Getting did, to the did
0: we ever find out what the deal was with that because.
1: There was like a youth football event happening at the Beerman building. Oh. And then there was the volleyball team, which is on a phenomenal run. Had a game yes. started Their match started a little bit earlier, so there was no parking left on campus in a lot of the usual spots. And usually the university sends out an email to people associated with either parking on campus yeah. or season ticket holders or interested parties on Twitter, letting them know that they have to get there a little bit earlier and I think they were a little caught off guard by how many people were on campus that night. So
0: yeah, I even leave. I left work early. We uh, we got down there early enough, but even early, you know, we before the hour, you know, before six p.m., it was just jam packed down there. And I kept thinking, you know, we were lucky to get in then because we left so early. But anyone, you know, trying to get there by six thirty or six forty five, no chance.
1: Yeah, I've been impressed that I've seen scalpers outside the pavilion selling volleyball tickets this year. <laughs> I I think that's a new one for me.
0: Well, you know, obviously the volleyball team, they're, they're moving on in the tournament, and, uh, uh, boy, they're an excellent team. So uh, hopefully they can break, break through. I mean, obviously, you know, we followed the women's team a little bit, and uh, the, the former SID for the women's team is now the SID for the volleyball team. So it, it's great that the uh, – she just keeps going from one winning team to another. Let me tell you,
1: Well, that's a great run.
0: It is a great run. Uh,
1: what else do we have to talk about, Vigs? Uh, Ryan Collins was named to the World Junior uh, yeah. Development Camp roster. I think he deserved it, though? I think so. I you think, I think so? Might...
0: I think it's just because he's you know he'd been on the USA team before, and they always kind of prefer those guys who've been on that team.
1: You don't see too many kids who are nineteen with that kind of size, oh, physicality, man, and uh, he's a better skater than people give him credit for. I, I think he's not obviously a Mike Riley or Brady Shea, but he's definitely a big physical guy. And you put him in a rink where he's one of the oldest kids, you know, he's going to be a tough, tough one in the defensive zone, especially you know you get on an NHL size rink where that reach becomes even more important. Uh, I think he's going to be fine there. I'd be surprised if they leave him
0: off. Well, we do know one thing is that, uh, this will be the last podcast of the year. You know, we, this is our month break coming up after this. And, uh, so we won't be back until after the first, but one thing that will happen while we're gone Vigs is the, the old Mariucci classic. And we never really get a chance to talk about it because obviously we're always on the break and, uh, that's just kind of the way it goes. But, you know, we've got this year, we've got UConn. Uh, was it Ferris State and Harvard coming in for the Classic? Do you have any thoughts on that? Besides well, no TV again on that Saturday night? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, try to be there Saturday night, especially if they draw Harvard. I think, you know, playing a team like that is, is something that could definitely hurt, the, or hurt or help their pair-wise come down the stretch because Harvard looks like they're going to be one of the top ECAC schools. Um, and they have some talented players. Uh, Jimmy Vesey is a, is one to watch for them. Um, so I I'd, I'd expect to see them in the championship game. And obviously, with Minnesota playing UConn, you'd think they'd be there as well.
0: Well, you'd think they'd be there, but you know, UConn did uh, have a nice weekend this past weekend. Upset? Oh God, who was it? Oh, geez, I can't remember. They swept somebody they weren't supposed to. Was it? Uh, uh, I'm just blanking now. I know they swept somebody and was kind of an upset this past weekend. Wasn't it Merrimack? It was, uh... well, I'm losing it. I don't remember. UMass. Was it UMass? Well, there you we go. And UMass it's is UMass. not a bad team.
1: Nope. Yep. They're a team that's made some NCAA runs, so a good sweep for them.
0: Oh, I, I know what I know. else. This past week, people started talking about UNLV in hockey.
1: That would surprise
0: me. Yeah, I I, I don't get that.
1: <laughs> they do say that the number one key to starting a program is a donor. So yeah. if UNLV club hockey has figured out a donor who can who can put some money and endow the program, I don't see why a team would pass that up. And Las Vegas uh, is probably going to get an NHL team here shortly. So there there is a hockey market there. Do you
0: think Arizona is going to go there? Or they you think Arizona is now in, put in place their financials. I know because they wanted to move and they want to do all this stuff. But it seems like it was getting better in Arizona. But who's going to go to to the or the or, <laughs> or will they get an expansion team?
1: Well, I think Las Vegas will get an expansion team. Really? And I think I think Quebec City is actually the one that's being put on hold. Um, Tom or uh, Elliot Friedman, uh writes a column for Sportsnet. Uh, 30 spots. Mm-hmm. That was what he went with today. Is he, he thinks they might just add one team as an expansion team and have it in Las Vegas because they clearly have an owner there already. They clearly have a rink under construction. And I think Quebec City has a rink, but it's a little murkier for how that would work. And uh, I know Gary Bettman would not like to have an unbalanced conference structure, and obviously a team in Quebec City wouldn't be a great fit for the Western Conference.
0: Plus, so, you know, Canada right now with the dollar, uh, they're just having problems all around there.
2: Yeah, it's hard. To that's predict. one thing Lou Nanny
0: was talking about yesterday is on with Barrero, he's saying, you know, you got the six teams, but, you know, with the, with the salary and the difference in the Canadian dollar and all this stuff, it's 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 not easy to have a Canadian team these days.
1: No, nope, man it's it's hurting the salary cap growth in the NHL, mm-hmm. too. That's, that's why you haven't seen a trade yet in the NHL this year because things are so tight. It's why there are so many teams competing for guys like Mike Riley to get them in their system, because they need cheap young players to fill roster spots. I think it's a reason why um, Jordan Leopold is planning weddings instead of on an NHL roster, because there's just not a fit for those guys.
0: Yeah, but if you add another team, will it be watering it down even more?
1: I think there's plenty of talent in the world. and. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players out there, especially with the way hockey is, is in the KHL. And you know, there's been so much growth in USA hockey now. There's players from all over the country who play, um, and there's plenty of good goaltenders out there. There's yeah. a reason why scoring is down.
0: Well, I've always I've always thought the padding has just gotten a little out of control. The fact that they're talking about making the goals bigger, kind of disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think I, that's... I mean I, a... I
0: really don't think I mean obviously. The goalies are bigger themselves, but you know what? The pads are still awfully big.
1: It's definitely an issue. And then, of course, you got guys like Dean Blaze who think that every college rink needs to be 85 feet wide.
0: Oh, jeez! How convenient now that he's just got a brand new arena.
1: Yeah,
0: I'll, you know, make everybody else
1: shrink those rinks down.
0: Well, he just wants to. He just he's just going after the Big Ten because of that new rule they want to have.
1: Well, I'll be interested to see what happens in January, though. That- that's also something that's coming up uh, while we're on break. Is, is they'll be prepping for those NCAA meetings, and you know the Power Five schools have uh, all their votes to kind of dictate what happens. And I'd be surprised if it ends up any other way than that passing.
0: Well, we'll just have to wait and see. We just don't know. It's going to piss off a lot of people. <laughs>
1: get get used to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, I don't think Don is making too many friends, or the other coach. Excuse me. So we'll just have to see. I think we're good, veeks.
1: All right. Well it should be a good series this weekend. Should be fun hockey. Uh, Michigans is. had trouble keeping it out of their own net, so should be lots of scoring and that's part of what makes college hockey great is you know there's not so much discipline in the structure and, and teams can get up and down the rink a lot. So should be fun uh, hockey.
0: And that's why I've always loved it. It's just a different game than the NHL. I just don't enjoy I, mean, I love NHL playoffs, uh, but if I, I, I could. I, I would rather sit and watch a college hockey game than a pro game. Just my preference, but that's how it is.
1: Yep, college hockey and the World Juniors, two great examples of skill.
0: Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the Juniors watch. is a completely different thing. that That I enjoy, and, boy, the Olympic play is obviously off the charts as well. I mean, that's when you really yeah. get to see the Olympic play, I think, is, is still the the best hockey you're going to see along with the juniors just because, you know, these guys, it, it isn't like it, they're all-star teams, but it's not like an all-star game. It's up and down hockey, crisp, clean, guys playing for their country, not even caring. Uh, that that it's, it's obviously great hockey.
1: Yeah, Don Lucia compared it to Canada, is like their final four for basketball. And I think it's even bigger. Yes, I think the world junior event is almost as big as the Stanley cup in Canada. Cause you know, Canada hasn't had too many teams in the Stanley cup lately. So <laughs> they put all their eggs in this world junior tournament.
0: I don't blame them. You know, it'd be nice if you could get that here in Minnesota again. It's been a long time. Really?
3: Yeah. At least the, or I should say the twin
0: cities. It. Obviously they did some Thief river falls stuff back when grand forks had it. But, uh, I'd love to see, you know, the X have it. And, yeah, obviously there's other rinks. You know, there's regional rinks in Minnesota here that would be great for some of the other – the smaller games.
1: So. Yeah, I think that's the key is to have two two good rinks where you can have a good crowd. And, you know, it, it would be great to see in the Twin Cities. I think it was at the Civic Center in, in maybe 1980. Yeah. I think it was the last time yeah. it was here. It's been in Grand Forks. And um, now it's going to be in Buffalo here in a couple of years, and they're going to have an outdoor game for the um, – round-robin game, hopefully between the U.S. and Canada. Uh, So that should be interesting. But I'd I'd much rather see it here at Excel. I think it would be a great crowd.
0: Oh, it it would be off the charts, you know. And maybe, you know, if if Mariucci ever gets shrunk down, they would use the Twin Cities. Because, you know, Mariucci is smaller ice, 10,000 people. It makes a great second venue.
1: Even Ritter would be a great one for those smaller teams. like when you know Lat- Latvia and Germany are playing. You yeah. know Ritter would be a great spot for those people cuz you know they'd probably fill the rink with 3 4000 people and it would be a good atmosphere for that.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely would be. Well, that's all for this week. We'll be back uh, after the new year. We'll recap Michigan, we'll recap the college or uh, the Merch Classic and everything like that uh, until then have a happy new year, merry christmas, whatever you want to call it. wins from last weekend uh, how do you think the overtimes played out otherwise other than being happy
3: about the wins well they played out perfectly I don't think they <laughs> play out any better than that um, you know I give our guys a lot of credit that uh, you know the first night we had to come back from a two-goal deficit entering the third period uh, and score the second shift of overtime and a nice play from uh, Tommy Novak to Hudson Fashing and then uh, the second night uh, we had a good start to the game we're up um, score two goals earlier in the third, give up a fluky one to make it 4-3, and then we, we, we took the five-minute major with five minutes to go in the game, and we, I mean, we held off about as long as we could until the six-on-four, and, and then they were able to score, but again, the, the ability to be able to take a punch and, and come back and probably score my favorite goal of the year because not only was it dramatic in overtime, but just the way they scored with four or five whacks on the blue paint, and it's a point of emphasis that if you're going to score goals, I mean, you've got to get to that area of the rink.
4: How important is it to, I guess, win games like that just so they can just, not honestly just simply build that confidence, but just to be able to move forward and...
3: Draw on that. Well, I think we were disappointed to lose two the weekend before, and, and obviously with our home record not where we hoped it would be a, 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 at this stage of the season. And to be able to bounce back and win a couple of games or the first two Big Ten games, so all of a sudden you're looking at two and zero in the standings, and you know that's a good place to be uh, at this early stretch of the season. So it's something we can build off of, but at the same time, you know whether you win or lose on the weekend, you know when Monday rolls around, it's it's over. Uh, you practice Monday and kind of show what happened on Saturday night's game, and then you put that to bed, and then you look forward to. to Next opponent, and you know that's Michigan, who's very good at home and lost one home game on the season. So uh, we know we're going to find out a lot more about our team this weekend.
1: You've talked about using all five guys in the offensive zone. You saw a little bit more of that this past weekend. Is that something you think
3: will continue this weekend? Well, you, have, weekend? To. you sure. have to, and in trying to get our D more involved, and, and I think we've seen our team evolve in doing that. And We try to specifically set up some drills and practice to, to emphasize that part of the game that you can't play three on five down low, and you can't just think you're going to score every goal off of uh, you know off a line rush. So you got to you know get the ground game going and grind it out down there and. Um, with your puck possession but you've got to you include the defenseman and then the defenseman have to be able to make a play on the blue line
1: do you think that's something that can help some of the guys who've been struggling so far well
3: it can help i mean the, a nice way to get a goal if you're struggling offensively is to get a tip to get a rebound one goes off your rear end you know any, anyway and and we need some of those guys it'd be great to get a rebound tip type goal they don't all have to be fancy you know rushes up the rink at three or four passes and you know rip one in you know, just they need to score any way possible
0: what will be the emphasis this weekend with all the shots that Michigan gets and all the goals they're scoring?
3: Well, I mean, number one is taking care of the puck. I mean, I just went through the goals we gave up uh, before I came down last year uh, in Ann Arbor, and that's something we'll show the guys uh, just as a reminder that they're such a good transition team, and they've got great, great skill. They're going to get up and ball in the play. So if you turn the puck over, I mean, you're, just, you're going to give up a great scoring opportunity, and when you give up scoring opportunities to teams that can score, you're leaving yourself awful vulnerable and not giving yourself much of a chance to win.
4: Was it nice to see that offensive production from Sheehy and
3: Kloos and Riley? Yeah, I mean, it, it's something we need. I mean, that, that line has been coming on. I mean, Novak's uh, line has, has been pretty good offensively. Now Kloos' line seems to be coming uh, so we can get a couple lines to score, and then then the trick is to, to get Vinny's line to jump on board too. So, you know, we have to be the type of team, we talked about it when the year began, that you know we're not going to have one guy get 20 goals, but we've got to have a bunch of 10-goal scorers. and. I think there's a you know, three or four guys that haven't scored much that have the ability to do that, and that's going to make a big play in how this season ultimately ends up, that if we can get some of these guys that we think can score, scoring.
4: What is, I guess, the point of emphasis? Knowing the fact that after Michigan, there's that big, huge break, and you're going to certainly want to end on a good note. Well, the uh, you know
3: what? The, the goal I mentioned already that uh, you know we're one point ahead, and the goal is to be ahead of Michigan when we get out of there. We know it's not going to be easy. We've we've played there four times in the Big Ten and have one overtime win, and. Uh, and and it's not an easy place to play so we want to continue to build our game we want to continue to get better obviously we want to try to get points this weekend and and get get deep into games and give ourselves a chance to win you know friday night we did that down last year when we were there uh saturday night we came out and you know we we didn't we didn't manage the puck very well and all of a sudden you're chasing the scoreboard and end up getting beat i think it was seven three or four whatever the game ended up
1: you've been there several times over the year what makes you such a tough place to play
3: well, I think that the team, they play with great energy. Over the years, I've been going there since 95 with the team when when I was at Colorado College, and you got to get through the first 10-minute the games critical because I don't know if anybody comes out any harder than they do when games begin. Uh, the crowd's right on top of top of you. I think it's a, f- a great environment to play in. And, and I even go back to when I was a player. It was one of the favorite buildings I had that, on the road to, to go play in, and, and I feel the same way with coaching because you're playing against an elite program, you're playing against elite players, uh, really good coaching staff, and, and uh, so you have to be at your best, and it's a great measuring stick
4: everybody make it through the week healthy?
3: Yeah you know what uh, knock on wood I mean uh, you know, we, we've been we've been pretty healthy so other than when Steve Johnson got hurt and you, you, we've had some guys the timing was good on a couple of our off weeks where you know we had a few guys that maybe didn't practice for three or four days and could give them some time so you know we've had that luxury up till now obviously the second half of the year we only have one, one off week so uh, hopefully we can continue to be healthy. Ryan Collins got
1: named to the World Junior camp roster. What do you think his game has changed from last year to this year?
3: Well, I mean, for Ryan to be effective, you know, he needs to be in that shutdown type mode, defensive defenseman, be a first pass kind of guy. Um, I think he looks like he's a little more comfortable at the offensive line than he was a year ago. And, you know, anytime you can wear that USA sweater, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, he's made the cut down to, Nine defensemen, but there's no guarantee, you know, when it, when it's all done, that the seven. I mean, they've already showed that with not inviting guys back that, you know, made the team last year. So every year is a, a, a new team because, you know, they're different because of ages. Um, different guys are uh, have an opportunity to be on that team. And, you know, I don't know if Hannafin will get released by Carolina for that. Sometimes NHL teams release guys uh, to play in it. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully he'll make it. And if he doesn't, then we'll look forward to having him at Christmas time. Good. All right. Thanks, okay. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. you guys have a great Christmas. <laughs> is
0: that right if I see that in this politically correct world? Uh, I'm Jewish. All right. <laughs> Here's Tyler Sheehy. What's the secret of scoring goals in this league and making it look
2: easy? Um, I don't know. I think just um, playing with Connor and, and Justin, it's just really clicking right now. And I think um, being around the net is uh, helping me out quite a bit.
1: Coach Lucia said, "Getting around the net's the key to scoring goals. What makes it so difficult to transition and start getting goals there?" In
2: um, I think I think it's just uh, tougher to score goals when you're not around the net. So um, being there and just getting pucks through either from the D or um, off a of rebound, and um, like I said, being there is really important for second opportunities. Does
1: using the defenseman in the offensive zone create more space for you guys and more possession where you can get chances in the blue paint?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, When we move the puck from low to high, it um, creates space and um, also creates lanes to get to the net.
1: Excited to go out to Michigan your first uh, Big Ten road trip?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, The guys have been saying that um, that arena is a lot of fun to play in, and Michigan's obviously um, got a lot of tradition as well. So um, playing against them in their arena is going to be a great time.
4: Session this before, but does playing with two experienced guys, including Connor Riley, help your transition a little
2: bit? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, whenever I have questions about, um, just, uh, systematic things, um, they're always, uh, they always have a good answer for me.
0: Has it been an easy adjustment for you working with those
2: guys? Um, with them, yeah, I think it's been, it's been easier. And also, early in the year, I was playing with Taylor, Camerata, and, uh, Vinny as well. So, um, it hasn't been too tough, uh, systematically, I think, um, there's a lot of older guys that are here to help us out anybody got anything else thanks Tyler. yeah thanks a lot
1: connor riley michigan's always kind of a measuring stick in the big 10 how are you guys preparing for their speed and transition
4: yeah we obviously know they're a fast pace and they score a lot of goals so we're preparing by folks on managing the puck this week we got to play with a lot of pace all four lines do um they're always a great team and always a great test for us, especially in their building, so we're looking forward to the challenge. What is it about their building that makes it a challenge? Um, I'd say their fans are pretty intense. Just the overall atmosphere, you can just feel the tradition in the rank. Their fans are right on top of you. They do their homework with some some custom signs on each player's. Um, so that's always fun to see, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's just an enjoyable process. Like They only really have a great place to do the off-ice warm-up, but besides that, everything's awesome there. You've had pretty good success playing against them, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Fr- freshman year, um, I got a goal and assist on a series, and that's when I after that series I kind of felt a little more confident, a little better moving on. So, and last year in that building it was fun. We, I remember we didn't. Uh, I don't think we played very well dif- defensively, and that's that's one of the big things. We didn't manage the puck very well. So, as we've learned, we got, that's one thing we got to absolutely manage this weekend. How important is it, I guess, to go in there and try to get a couple, knowing that the break is going to be long and you're going to obviously want to
0: end on an uptick?
4: Yeah, you definitely want to go on a break uh, feeling good about ourselves. The, at the end of the day, we want to out compete them and outwork them, and we're going to have to play smart. So, you don't want to go under um, break not feeling good about yourself, feeling like you left anything on the table because we're going to get time to rest and, and recover. So, um, we're definitely not going to leave anything on the table.
0: You guys had some fantastic power play numbers in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm.
4: What's been the the difference from earlier in the year? Um, I honestly, think seeing Saint Cloud, they uh, we watched their PP the way they're moving it around. and We just realized ourselves we got to start moving the puck quicker as, quicker as well. I think a lot of times we'd hold on to it maybe half seconds, one second, which is way too long. Like when you get the puck, it's got to be on your sticking off some one touch passes, and when you get a chance to shoot shooting off the pass and one-timers are always more effective, so um, biggest difference is puck movement. I've kind of bounced around lines this season. Do you think you found a home with the Clues and Sheehy? Yeah, it was, it was nice this weekend to get rewarded a little bit. Our, I felt their line, we created, we we're pretty consistent every period scoring, uh, with scoring chances and it was nice We um Kloos and Sheehy got a couple goals. I felt St. Cloud, we were pretty good five on five. We just didn't execute, so it was nice this weekend to get a little bit of a breakthrough, and I think we're heading the right direction.
1: Have you talked to Mike since he got called up?
4: Yeah, yeah, I talked to him. It was, it was nice. I saw him last Thursday. It was good seeing him, and he's just happy to be up here and get a part of the experience, and um, obviously still happy to be a part of the program. And um, He said practices were intense. They were really, they're on him, um, and he's watching the games with one of the assistant coaches to really learn and uh, kind of analyze the game.
0: I hope he bought dinner. Now that he's got the big ticket going. Yeah, it's <laughs> that. <laughs> Anything
2: else for Connor?
0: And finally, here's Ryan Collins. Congratulations on the nomination to get to the camp again. Thank
2: you, I appreciate it. <laughs> What's uh, the camp going to be like? Do you think this year? Um,
5: you know, I think it'll be a lot like last year. Obviously, going into to Boston, there's going to be three weeks or three days of uh, really hard, long practices. Uh, give you a chance to try to find lines and deep pairs and, you know, challenge everyone to to see who can play at that high pace that they like to play at the World Juniors. It's got to be a plus knowing that you've been there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the experience is good. Um, Having been there last year, I know a little bit about what to expect, but um, it's a new year this year. It's a new group of players, and and it's a challenge
4: every year to make the team. While everybody else gets a break, you don't. Is that in some ways a good thing, knowing the fact that how highly they think of you? Um, yeah, you know, always it's always
5: an, an honor to play for USA Hockey. Every chance I've I've ever gotten, I've I've cherished and um, you know put my best foot forward, and I I hope to do that again at, at this camp.
1: There's been a lot of changes with the roster from last year to this year as far as invites. Have you talked to anybody on the the staff or the camp about that?
5: You know, I haven't I haven't talked to, to too many guys about it. Uh, you know, I like to stay in touch with some of those guys that I've I've played with in in Michigan, and um, you know, I like to stay in touch with them. But you know, they're focused on their seasons, and I'm very focused on ours. So, you know, when I get there, I'll I'll, tr- I'll chat with them. But for now, it's all business. What do
1: you think's improved in your game in the last year?
5: Um, you know, I think my confidence, moving the puck, and um, obviously over the summer, uh, putting size and strength on. Being more physical and being stronger helps me to be confident in my game and my skating and my physicality in our end.
4: You spent two years in Ann Arbor with the development program. What does returning there mean to you?
5: Uh, You know, it means a lot. Every time I get to go back to Ann Arbor, there's there's good memories, and uh, I'll be able to see some fresh faces. I'll be able to see my Billet family, which is nice. Uh, You don't get to see them too often. My my little Billet brother's grown up. It's kind of scary, but, uh, you know, it'll be fun to see him. How much of, like, free
1: time do you get for that,
5: to see them? Uh, not too much. Uh, just Thursday night, I think I'll, maybe I'll be able to, to see them, and then obviously after the game on, on Friday and Saturday. So, I know they'll be at both games, and my parents are going out to stay with them, so that'll be fun. Can you tell us
0: about your brother did you say? Yeah. How
5: old? Uh, he is a freshman in high school this year, so. His, player? Uh, he's hockey and lacrosse. He's bigger into lacrosse. So, uh. They came from Texas. They lived in Texas before I was there, and he played a lot of lacrosse there. And uh, he plays traveling. So, did
0: he go out on the ice with you at all? Did you show him any tricks?
5: Yeah, we played a lot of street hockey uh, in the the front yard. They never had a. We never got the opportunity to go play pond hockey with him, but um, for sure he's a competitive
1: guy. Last weekend, the defenseman got a lot more active. At- maintaining the offensive zone blue line and then getting shots from the point. Is that something that was just last weekend, or do you think that's something that's going to keep carrying forward for you guys?
5: I think that's something that's going to keep carrying forward and something that needs to be carried forward in order to have success. Um, that's something that we, we stress in our game, but uh, it only happens when we have five guys in the ice that can trust each other, and we were able to do that last weekend, and uh, we know we'll be able to do that this weekend when – the deer pinching down. We know there's going to be a forward that's going to reload for him and, and keep the puck in if it gets by and uh, vice versa. So um, that's a very important part of our game and an important part of hockey, being the fourth man up in the play. Do you think it was having so many new guys integrating
1: the lineup that was preventing that from happening earlier?
5: Um, you know, somewhat. It's, we don't necessarily look at, you know, what the excuses are. We just want the, the results, and we know that um, last weekend we were able to, to do that, and we want to, um, going forward, keep getting that fourth guy in the play and trusting each other
2: all good thank 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 you